California Dade over there wants to give us a tax plan like California and New Jersey and other blue states that skyrocket the tax rate and property taxes under their plan will actually go up in several years. So we're not going to let that happen. Well, well, I'm thousand Governor, for seniors, 800 for under 65. Every what year. are you willing to trade to get the Senate deal done? y'all this is where texas politics gets interesting here again are two guys named jason some great guests and cold texas beer for another smart conversation on yolitics the unofficial political podcast of texas hey there jason whiteley here with you i wanted to share a special episode it's one we did not plan we just got off the line with lieutenant governor dan patrick and wanted to share out the entire conversation we had with him. This this really is an important update to what's happening in Austin right now because there's a little more than a month left in the state legislature. The problem is there's a lot of big work left to do. A lot remains. For example, the House of Representatives and the State Senate, they still have not agreed on how to provide property tax relief. Remember, that was a priority for everyone, Republicans and Democrats, the House and the Senate on the way into the session back in January. But here we are with a little less than six weeks left to go, and they still haven't nailed down exactly what it's going to look like. The question is, which plan is going to win? The House and the Senate have different ideas on how to give us property tax relief. The Senate wants to raise the homestead exemption from $40,000 a year up to $70,000 a year. Down the hall, across the hall, whatever you want to call it there at the Capitol, the House, it wants to limit how much school districts can tax you. So these are very different ideas both chambers have. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, though, who runs the Senate, he told us that the House plan is just bad math. His words there, quote, bad math. And Patrick told us that hell will freeze over before he agrees to the House plan. We also discussed education savings accounts with Lieutenant Governor, ESAs or school vouchers as they've been known for years. They are not dead, Patrick said, despite suburban and rural Republicans in the House rejecting them recently. Listen to what Lieutenant Governor said when I asked him specifically whether he would campaign against those Republicans who rejected education savings accounts in the House. We talked with Lieutenant Governor about why Senator Royce West's plan to lower the state sales tax died next month. You know, it marks one year since the school shootings in Uvalde. I asked how to stop school shootings in the state. Governor Abbott pledged to pardon Army Sergeant Daniel Perry, also part of our questions for the Lieutenant Governor. Why not let the legal process work? What a lot of people are saying. And I asked Dan Patrick whether he expects Governor Abbott will call any special legislative sessions this summer after the main session adjourns on May 29th. Patrick, listen to this. Patrick said he would withhold a bill to force a special session if priorities are not getting passed. It's something he's done in the past back in 2017. He said he prefers not to do it, but he he said that option is reserved to him and available to him if he decides to do it in the final hours of the regular session. Take a listen to our full interview here. Governor, welcome back to the program. The the clock is ticking right now, a little more than a month left in the session. Uh, The Senate has passed most all of your priorities. Just a couple remain, I believe, right now. The House has not passed that many bills when compared to sessions past. What do you think is not going to get done 
when the gavel falls at the end of this legislature? Well, for the numbers, just to back up what you're saying, uh, as of last week, they'd only passed 85 bills. Uh, we've passed 316. We're right on pace. Uh, we've also passed out 28 of our 30 priorities. They've passed out few of their priorities or the governor's priorities, the people's priorities. Uh, and so I don't know what will happen, but I know this, Jason, is that the bills that they have to debate are very important and they're going to take a lot of time. And, you know, you can't be on the floor and in committee at the same time. So they're going to be in committees a long time because we have been on these bills and they're going to be on the floor a long time. So I hope they can pass all the priorities, but I'm not sure if they can. And part of this reason, Jason, we've been working, you know, without stop pretty much. You know, we've been on the floor Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, or, or three days a week, four days a week. They've been on the floor many of these weeks, two days, passing nothing but resolutions. So they're way behind. And uh, that's unfortunate because the people expect us to get our business done. And the senators, I give them all the credit. They're just working, you know, their tails off to uh, get the legislation passed as they should. Let's talk about one of those priorities is property taxes. The Senate wants to raise the homestead exemption to $70,000. The House has a different plan, wanting to limit how much school districts can charge, wants to cap the appraisals. What is a likely compromise, Governor? Well, I can't compromise on bad math. They just have bad math. Now, both of us have compression. Compression is a way to help reduce property taxes with schools. So we both agree on that. We just have to work that out, the exact dollars and how we do it. But the difference is they want appraisal caps. Uh, at 5%, uh, and we want a homestead exemption increased. Uh, when I became lieutenant governor, the homestead exemption was 15,000, had been there for decades. I made it 25,000 and 15, 40,000 and 19. And this year, for seniors, a $100,000 exemption. That means if you live in a $300,000 home and you're a senior, you're only going to pay tax on a $200,000 home. That's a savings of about $1,060, which I have in my hand here for the rest of their life while they live in their home. And if you're under 65, we're taking the homestead exemption from 40 to 70,000, you get $800 a year for as long as you homestead your home, 25, 30 year mortgage. That's $25,000, it's not in the house bill. And the seniors 15,000 because they're gonna live in their homes a shorter period of time than someone in their 30s or 40s. So this is over $100 billion in tax savings over 15 to 20 years. And by the way, seniors, your, your appraisal's already frozen. You get nothing in the house plan. With us, you get 1000 every year for 15 years. And again, $800 a year for everyone under 65. And let me just say this as quickly as I can, Jason, without getting in the weeds. It used to be as your appraisal went up, your taxes went up, even if they didn't raise the tax rate. Sure. In 2019, we changed that. So essentially, appraisals don't matter anymore. And I know most people don't know that. But if most people look at their bill last year, what their appraisal was last spring, not this spring, last spring, and what their bill was in October, there was this dramatic difference. A lot of people, their appraisals went up eight or nine percent. Their tax bills were even or went down a percent or up one or two percent. Not like the old days. So appraisals don't matter and they greatly distort the market. Um, it's the California plan the House has. So, you know, they, you know, California Dade over there wants to give us a tax plan like California and New Jersey and other blue states that skyrocket the tax rate and property taxes under their plan will actually go up in several years. So we're not going to let that happen. Um, well, governor, what, for seniors, 800 for under 65. Every what year. are you willing to trade to get the Senate deal done? Look, I can negotiate on anything, Jason. That's part of the process. No one gets 100% of anything in any bill, but I'm not going to negotiate bad math. I'm not going to take away $15,000 from seniors over the lifetime of their home. If it's 15, 20 years, whatever that is, a thousand years. And I'm not going to take away $25,000 over the 
the mortgage of a 25 or 30 year mortgage from people under 65. I'm not going to do it. Hell will freeze over before I do that. Why would we walk away from that? It's, it's ridiculous. And it's bad math. And I will not negotiate bad math. And seniors and under 65, hell will freeze over before I walk away from $100 billion over the next 15 to 30 years of tax savings. I will not walk away from that. Governor, I want to ask you about education savings accounts, also known as school vouchers over the years. The Senate passed it. The House shut it down. Once again, we saw suburban and rural Republicans in the House team with Democrats and vote against this. Are are, are you surprised that that rural lawmakers have not gotten on board considering how much, uh, you know, the the pot has been sweetened for those districts? Yeah. You know, uh, Jason, most of our schools are really good. And we've got a fair number of great schools in our public school system. But some schools are failures. They're Ds and Fs. I put in that, that grading system, by the way, A through F, when I was education chair and as lieutenant governor, so that you know where your schools are rated. But parents today, Jason, aren't leaving schools just because their school's a failure. Uh, they're leaving schools. Maybe their child doesn't feel safe. They're bullied. Maybe they have a child with a disability, which is a, a large number of students in our, in our population, and they don't feel the school, even trying their best, can help their child. But today, the number one reason Jason, that parents say they want to leave public schools is for the immorality that they believe is being taught to their students, whether it's on gender, whether it's on sex. And these library books, Jason, I have a library book that's in our schools, and there are many of them, that are so bad, I can't even hold it up on the air for you. The despicable things in this library book that, well, here's how you go to a porn website. You know, porn is sugary and a sweet taste. And, but- and every sexual description drawn in cartoons that you can imagine and some you can't imagine. Yeah, and, Go- and so that's why we have to give parental choice to parents. They have a right. And Jason, in the whole school system, we have about five and a half million kids in public school today, about 300,000 in charters, th- public charters, about 300,000 in private schools, and about 600,000 or so homeschooled. Right. Most parents will stay in their public schools, five and a half million. They like their schools. Uh, the kids like their friends. But we have to give parental choice, school choice. And the House is just out of touch with over 80% of Republicans supported, 65% of independents supported, and almost 50% of Democrat families supported. So hopefully they'll pass. Would you campaign against any of the Republicans who have voted against it? Look, I don't, I don't get involved in uh, House campaigns. Uh, that's, that's not a smart thing for anyone in the Senate to do. But I'll tell you this, if, if there are people who vote against giving, which they already have voted against giving seniors uh, $1,000 a year, and giving and voted against $800 a year, and they vote against school choice, and they don't pass a number of other priorities. I'm not involved, but I'm sure there are people in their district will be involved. Is, is school choice dead this session? Oh, no, I don't think so. I, I think that for the first time, we're actually, we've broken ground. I, I think in the House, if you actually analyze the vote uh, the way that we do, the vote was closer than it looked on not putting money in the budget for that. And uh, I'm optimistic we can pass a school choice bill. Now, I don't know what it will look like. Ours is the bill that we pass is the best one in the country. Everybody knows it's the best one in the country. It'll be the largest in the country. Uh, every family would get $8,000 to the school where they would send their child. And here's the, here's the thing with the rural Republicans who vote against it all the time. We're going to pay the schools for five years, Jason. Right. So if the child leaves and opts for a, 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 a education voucher uh, savings account, we're going to give that school the money for that student for five years. Some that, would say that's way too much. And they well, still that, 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 that's that. Yeah, that's a sweet deal. I wonder why they're not taking it. Um, because there, there's, this, there's this story out there that, that school choice will undermine our public school system. It's just the great lie. 
Everywhere else, there's school choice in America. And Florida's had it for the longest time with children with disabilities, for example. But it's three or 4%. That's it. After 40 years, Florida is like three or 4%. They just passed a bill to match ours this time for all students. So it's three or 4%. Out of five and a half million kids, Jason, that's, you know, it's a couple hundred thousand kids max. So it's just not, you know, as a school, someone's going to judge my math there, but, you know, it's 150,000 kids or whatever it is. It's a small number, 3%. Again, most parents are happy with their schools. Most schools are C's, B's, and A's. They are, and parents are okay. And most kids don't want to leave their friends. But parents deserve a right to have school choice. We don't tell you where you can go to college. Why should we tell you where to go to school? So it's, it's ridiculous, quite frankly, that there's this opposition. It's overwhelmingly supported in our parental choice bill by the public. Governor, let's talk about school security for a moment. Sure. We're approaching one year since the mass yes. murder in Uvalde yes. at Robb Elementary. Uh, obviously, another push underway to give districts more money to, to harden schools. Yes. Senator Brandon Creighton uh, was quoted the other day saying, when the plane has landed at the end of this session, it's going to be a model for this nation. Do you expect yes. the Senate plan that passed is really going to stop school shootings, though? Look, you can never stop evil, Jason. I'm sorry to say we can pass all the laws. Uh, on everything from murder to rape to you know, carjack. We can pass all the laws. Uh, we can try to protect every citizen. Uh, our police, men and women, do the best they can every day. But there's evil out in the world. We have to do the best we can to prevent it. Um, and we have to have the, the, the safest facilities we can, particularly in our schools. After Santa Fe, which happened back, uh, you know, now it's been five years or so ago, uh, down south of Houston, and I was one of the first ones on the scene. I just happened to be near the school. Immediately, was it was, and we've talked about this, Jason. It was clear to me we had too many entrances and exits to the school, too too easy to get in. Uh, and look at Uvalde. What happened? You know, there was a door. You know, wasn't even the main door that someone was able to get in. So, for example, we can put hundreds of millions into secure doors, but if they're left open and unlocked, uh, so uh, so, so what's the answer? We, what's the answer then? Because the, 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 the answer is so we're going to put more money over a billion dollars. I think it's about a billion and a half dollars, one point five billion into school security um, to find the best ways to secure our school. Uh, we need more uh, officers on duty. We passed a bill just yesterday for retired police officers to come back in, maybe to take a job as security officer uh, in those schools. Um, and so we just have to have everything we can, Jason, to protect those kids, but we can have the greatest security package. Um, and, if, and if doors are left open, um, then security breaks down. So it's a team effort and we're all in for this. The legislature is, is spending four and a half billion on border security, one and a yes. half billion, I believe you mentioned on, on school security. What do you say to parents who think the state might have its priorities out of order? Oh, I think, I think uh, I'm not sure that question, Jason, I, I, honestly. Um, I think people in this state, the number one issue is secure the border. I mean, Look, I've traveled all over the state when I campaigned last year, you know, 130 cities uh, in my bus tour. And uh, the number one issue everyone talked about was border security because the fentanyl that's coming over the border. We just had a, a friend of mine on the Senate floor uh, a few weeks ago whose son died of a fentanyl overdose. Uh, we are losing students uh, and young people from 18 to 45. The number one killer is fentanyl. So right. we have to try to interdict that uh, as well as criminals who come in. Uh, as well as terrorists that have been caught on the border. So we have to do the job. We used to spend 400 million a year on border security. And now it's 2 billion a year, 4 billion over the budget. And sure. um, it's, so we have to do it. Uh, it should be the federal government's response. And when we get a Republican 
president in there in 24, which I hope we do, um, we're going to send them a bill so we can get our taxpayers paid back. Governor, a few last questions for you. The yes. Senate wants to spend $10 billion to update the grid, yes. uh, a billion dollars for large water infrastructure projects, places like North Texas really needing that to keep growing yes. like it is. Neither of those are in the House budget. Why not? You know, I don't know. We'll, we'll reconcile the budgets. Look, Jason, to me, the most important thing this session we must do is, is provide power to the grid that we do not have and we desperately need. We do not have enough natural gas plants or coal or nuclear, and the easiest ones to build uh, are natural gas plants. So we're not spending $10 billion to build them. We're loaning $10 billion of our surplus, which I think is a good way to do it, like we do on other water projects, quite frankly. We're going to loan that money to companies that want to come in and build power plants. Look, it takes about three years to build a plant. We have to get started. We have to have certainty. There are all kinds of plans out here, but none of those plans offer certainty, Jason. Uh, we were so close to losing power in our state when URI hit, not for just several days, but for several months. We were almost, the system almost totally broke down. So, you know, everyone talks about, well, renewables, renewables. I'm not anti-renewable. Texas is the fifth largest renewable, you call it the country, but as a state in the world, there's, there's US, China, India, Germany, and Texas. And right now we're becoming California uh, again. And we have more renewables soon than we'll have natural gas. If the wind's not blowing, we don't have power. If we don't have power, that can fact impact life and death. If you don't have power, that will stop businesses from coming here. So we need more natural gas power. We're simply saying here's 10, it's about a billion two per megawatt. We need about 10,000 megawatts. Uh, everybody agrees we need more. We need it more. It's just how do we get it? And uh, so we set 10 billion aside uh, out of the surplus for these loans. And I got to get the House to pass it, the governor to sign it. But that's that's been the Senate plan, bipartisan plan. Will all the surplus money be spent besides what has no, to go into the no, rainy day fund? Uh, no, let me tick off a couple of things for you real quick. Four and a half billion for retired teachers, the first call they've had, plus every retired teacher 75 and over gets a $7,500 check. Uh, money in for broadband for rural Texas to connect everyone and some of our inner cities. Money in there for water projects, as you mentioned. Money in there for the grid. Uh, money uh, in there for buying more parkland. Uh, money in there, I'm investing two and a half billion dollars for mental health care, more right. beds than we've ever had in the state of Texas. And many of these are going to be constitutional amendments, states and on the ballot in November that people can vote for. And many are in our budget. But we're still going to leave here with a healthy budget of, depend, depending on how the final budget shakes out, what we do on power, somewhere around $20 billion, plus our ADA fund that will be over $20 billion by the end of the, the fiscal uh, year next time. So we're the healthiest position. I would argue Texas is in a better financial, clearly than the United States, it's totally broken in debt. Uh, and we're in better shape than probably any place on the planet with the surplus that we had. California had a $100 billion surplus a few years ago. Now they have a $22 billion deficit because they spent all the money. We're not gonna do that. We're gonna spend the money wisely, get it back to the people through property taxes, retirement packages for teachers, et cetera, et cetera, raises for law enforcement, raises for teachers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're gonna do all these things, but still watch the money so we're in a good position moving forward. Governor Senator West appeared on Inside Texas Politics recently and talked about wanting to cut, cut the state sales tax by uh, almost a penny. He had bipartisan support and some interest from the governor as well. I believe he said he he spoke with you and then he decided to withdraw that bill. Um, what happened there? Well, he actually didn't have bipartisan support. I mean, he had a few people. I mean, he had one 
Republican would sign the bill. So I don't call that bipartisan support. And I don't know if the bill would pass the House. But here's the math on it, Jason. I'm just a math guy, remember, uh, at the end of the day. He wanted to reduce the sales tax by half a cent. Uh, it would have cost our budget $7 billion. Uh, that's about what a half a cent brings in over a two-year budget. That's $7 billion we can spend on a lot of things. And what would that have saved the average person? Uh, so if you bought something for $10 instead of 80 cents, you paid 75 cents. Uh, if you bought something for $1,000, just you know your tax was $75 instead of 80. The savings are so small. I actually think people would have said, what? what? You, you gave me a half a penny saving? You just saved me a nickel? You know. And what we're going to do, though, is we're going to take a couple of hundred million and we're going to add a, a surplus sales tax holiday for clothes, shoes, and some other things in his bill that will have another shopping weekend. People love that with no sales tax on up to $200 per item. So that's a better way to do it. People get more value from it. And uh, and the half a cent just didn't work. And they're really, you know, yeah, there was a Republican that signed on the bill with him, but there really wasn't broad support to do it because it didn't make it didn't make sense. So Royce West is a good friend, great senator. Um, uh, we work well together, but we uh, he, he understood. And the, and, the, and the governor was supportive of what we're doing as well. Last two questions, Governor, we'll let you go. Um, sure. a, a jury in Austin convicted the Army Sergeant Daniel Perry for killing a Black Lives Matter protester. It, it's, it's made national news for what the governor said, Governor Abbott saying he would pardon him. No, no witnesses ever testified that the protester legally carrying that AK-47 ever pointed it at Daniel Perry. Uh, you know, Governor, I've covered a lot of your stuff. I've covered countless people running for office as, as conservatives, and I always hear about law and order. The justice system appears to have worked here. The defense put on his case and the jury just didn't believe it. Well, um, Jason, the detective who worked the case, who is now retired, considered the top detective in the Austin Police Department. He, is, he has a sworn affidavit that, that he says was exculpatory evidence that the DA would not let him bring into the case or show the grand jury that would have probably prevented an indictment to begin with and probably would have found an innocent verdict. Um, he had a 158-page slide presentation for the facts. The DA made him reduce it down to less than 100 pages. And he says it took out most of the critical facts on the case. He goes on to say in his affidavit, not my words, the detective words, that not only did he feel highly pressured, uh, the conduct of the DA uh, was misguided and could have even been criminal, tampering with a witness because he considers himself a witness. So when you look at that fact, um, that uh, evidence was withheld from the grand jury and the case. Um, that's a factor. Secondly, Jason, um, the testimony was blurred on that. No one disputes that, that, the, uh, uh, that the person who died, and it's a tragic that he did, but no one disputes that he was carrying around an AK-47. No one disputes he was around the car. No one, no one singles out that that person drove the car into the crowd. Um, there was a lot of other evidence that just never made it in. Um, and uh, there is there is a photograph, video, I believe the video or the photograph showing his hands were up, but you couldn't clearly see the rifle. And um, uh, so why don't let that place this is why the appeals great, process, though? This is this is why there's great questions. Um, we do have a right to self-defense. Uh, and I can just say to you, Jason, or anyone watching this morning or this evening when this airs, that if someone's around your car and you're in a, and there's a mob around your car and someone's. Uh, has an AK-47 in their hand or an assault weapon. I think it was an AK-47 um, uh, walking around your car. Um, uh, and, and if indeed it was pointed, um, the Austin American State 
Stacey's been trying to make a big deal. I said through the window, I mean, pointing through the window, like not through the window, sure. looking through the window, at the window or through the window. But if there, a person knows, look, if you take two seconds to think about, is that guy going to shoot me or not? You're probably already dead if he did. And so you're going to defend yourself. So that's why the governor stepped in. And I think the, the governor, quite frankly, is right to step in because I think this, this whole thing was questionable. Well, why don't let that play itself out in the appeals process, though? If, if uh, you the know, detective, if the detective saying he has, you know, he was he was, you know, masked uh, on this evidence. I mean, he, he could present that to the defense and they could. Uh, yeah, appeal. it could take years on appeal also on a guy sitting in jail. Well, maybe he shouldn't have been. So um, anyway, that, that's the reason the governor's take is taking the position. And I, and I support him. Final question here. Do you expect the governor to call any uh, special legislative sessions this summer? How, how likely is that? Well, I, I, I never make plans for the summer when we're in, in session that year, because you never know. We had a special session in 17. We had a special session last year, as you know, when the Democrats left. For, we were here through October. Um, there's a lot of work to do in a short period of time. And the House is way behind, as we said at the beginning of this interview. So there could be some issues the governor cares about. But on this property tax issue, where the Senate is giving seniors $1,000 every year, they live in their home starting this year, and under 65 get $800 every year. The House is not doing that. That bill, that that issue is about 16 to 17 billion of our whole budget. So if we don't agree on that, uh, that's a big hole in the budget. So you can't leave here with 16 billion in there and not do property tax relief. So that issue alone, uh, if the House doesn't, look, we're not trying to fight with the House on this issue. Their math is just bad. Uh, their math is just bad. They, they talk about the biggest tax cut in history. No, their tax cuts about 50 to 60 percent the size of ours or so. So we're going to get that done. But if that doesn't happen, that's surely going to call us back. And, and there are other important issues. School choice is one. The governor's campaigned all over the state. If the House doesn't pass school choices, is the governor going to say, well, I gave it my best? I don't know. But uh, right now, the pace that the House is moving, um, there's some big issues that may not come up for a hearing. And that will be up to the governor or myself in some cases. I can't call a special session. I can only create a special session as I did in 17 by holding back an important bill. If I think that the people are not getting their priorities heard, if they're not getting the tax relief that they deserve immediately, um, because our bill takes place this year, theirs is even two years, even though it doesn't do anything on appraisal, it's even two years down the road. If, if I don't think the people are being in the surplus and not being spent wisely, then I can just hold back a bill and then we have to have a special session. I prefer not to do that, but we'll have that option as I did in 17. Governor, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Lieutenant Governor Patrick calling the House's property tax plan equivalent to California legislation. That was back at the beginning of our conversation there with him. Patrick, I don't know if you, you caught that, but Patrick even referred to the Speaker of the House as, quote, California Dade. Dade, of course, is Speaker Phelan's first name, Dade Phelan, a Republican who represents Beaumont. You know, the legislature adjourns on May 29th. As of this recording, there are five weeks, six days left, lots to do. We're going to be watching to see what gets done, what it looks like, and then more importantly, what does not get accomplished. You can watch the entire interview with the Lieutenant Governor. The video of that is going to be on our YouTube page at WFAA in Dallas-Fort Worth. The YouTube page of that TV station, WFAA in Dallas-Fort Worth. We always appreciate you listening to Yolitics. Hope you uh, got some uh, learned something from this conversation about what's happening in Austin. It doesn't get any more real time than that conversation we just had. All right, I'm going to go uh, find Wheeler now to see what episode he's working on for next week. We'll talk to you then. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.